Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Woo. Yeah, you know, I'm always excited to get with y'all. I love you. It's so great to be in God's house and in the service, joining you guys online. And I wanted to apologize for the streaming issues for last week, whether you're at home, the Gospel Rescue Village, the Village of Oak Creek, wherever you were, we did have problems. We are aware of that. And we are believing that they're working smoothly today. Yes, we are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. So today, I just want you to know we have been praying for a move of God. And when God is moving, He is moving. I want you to know that. If you don't know that for yourself, God is moving. God's moving. His Holy Spirit is moving. See, God's not willing that anyone would go to hell, that anyone would perish. That's the Word of God. He, he's delaying things in this world the way we look at a calendar and a time frame because He desires more people to turn to Him. That's the whole reason why things are just continuing on. He could stop at any time. I mean, He can call a halt to everything on the planet and just end everything. But God is merciful and gracious, He's loving and kind. And he looks and he sees lost and broken humanity on their way to an eternity without him. And therefore, it tells us in the word of God that he is just patiently waiting. If there's one more, he wants to wait. Don't wait too long. There will be a day that he says it's over, no matter what. If you are on the fence and you're wondering about this Jesus thing, it's real. He loves you and you need him. <laughs> I don't know if we've said it recently, but we're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. We're not a perfect people. The reason we gather together is we've already learned and know that we need God's help. And we've also learned and know the truth that the offering of God's help to us is Jesus Christ. And when we come to him, he deposits the Holy Spirit within our hearts. And we have found the help we need to begin this journey of life. And so if you see us and wonder what's wrong with us, um, yeah, no, I mean, for real, you think like, yeah, anyway, you didn't know us last week and you should be glad. So this is the new improved versions of us. And believe it or not, we're more like Jesus than we've ever been. So that may tell you where we've come from. <laughs> Hope that all makes sense to you. You know, uh, as your pastor, I already know, I don't know everything, don't misunderstand me what I'm saying, but I know we're not a perfect church, and I know we have issues, and we have needs. It's okay. We're here because we know we need God's help. He's going to help us with these issues, and he'll walk us through anything that we allow him to. The Holy Spirit is stirring hearts, that I know. And I know that people are responding to that, the stirring, the initial stirring of the Holy Spirit. What that is, is God calling. So God is calling, the Spirit is prompting, then it's up to you and I to actually hear and respond and then act, right? So I didn't use the other three words I usually use there. I don't know if you noticed that little camouflage, surrender, trust, and obey, but I just said, we have to hear and actually respond and act upon it, all right? So when you hear that incognito, it's just so you don't just tune that out. This is what it's all about, church. So last week we were reading about what God was doing in the beginning of the church when the Holy Spirit came. So the, the redemption of God's plan was fulfilled here on the planet until the return of Christ at Pentecost, right? And we entered the end times 
All of you prophetic people, please listen to me. God's word tells us we entered the end times on the day of Pentecost. That's when it started. So we've been in the end times for 2,000 years plus. Now stay with me. That's biblical. You can read Acts chapter 2 and it flat out says that. Because the prophecy of Joel that is repeated there says that. And it's happening. So let's not get lost there. Let's keep moving forward. So we're reading in the book of Acts because it's the birth of the church. It's the promise of the Messiah. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's the fulfillment of God's plan as he begins to build the church of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is moving. People are getting saved, baptized. God is doing something. He's stirring. And the the city itself of Jerusalem is all abuzz with what's going on. Okay, so as we see that, uh, thousands of people, literally, are coming to Jesus Christ. So as these lives are being changed, they were helping each other out. Things were happening, uh, sharing Jesus from house to house. We read that specifically in the Word of God and in the temple, which is the church. So they were meeting in houses together, like home groups, small groups, studying the Bible, uh, learning to teach and preach and reach people for Jesus Christ. And then they would also gather together at the church for times of worship and praise and encouragement for one another. All right, that's all biblical. It's right there. It's easy to see when you read the Bible. So now, um, when we look at what God is calling us to, and last week when the message we shared with you about reaching our current zip code where God has placed us is the mission field that we have been called to. All right, so you're not just there because you got a deal on a house. You're not. God gave you that deal so you could be his light. All right, wherever you are at work, God has allowed you to be there because there is a need for a minister, a missionary of the gospel where you work, where you go to school. We have to own that and understand what he's saying. So that's where we were at at the end of the service last week. I am going to reread some of these scriptures here, just a couple verses from last week to continue to where God wants us today. This is in Acts chapter 5. Okay, so now they called in the apostles and had them flogged. Remember, this is the church leaders because they're mad because these guys are preaching Jesus. They called in the apostles, had them flogged, which means they were beaten. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. That means he is the savior of the world, the promised one, the one God said he would send way back when sin entered the world, church. It's the message of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're called to preach Teach and live. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go with this. Ready? So with this move of God happening, the stirring that's going on, and the opposition that comes, that always happens. When God is up to something, there is the spirit of darkness that also is up to something. When when, when we feel like we're not sensing a spirit move, and we kind of like coast along, the enemy backs off. Because he's like fine with us being lukewarm. Jesus isn't, but he's fine with a, a neutral, lukewarm, comfortable church. All you got to do is read in Revelations and Jesus says, you make me puke. He did. That's literally what he said. 
a church that's lukewarm, neutral, calm. They're not hot or cold or anything. They're just existing. Makes them sick. He even said he'd rather have you cold. You follow that? That's, that's him talking to us. Or hot, of course. That's where he wants us, in the fire of the Holy Spirit. But he said, I'd rather have you cold than being just existing. So when the Spirit of God moves and people are moving in with and in agreement to the Spirit of God's prompting, of course there's going to be opposition. Come on. There is a war going on. Are you not aware of that? There is a spiritual battle going on for every single soul. Therefore, the enemy is going to come against you. When you get baptized, what do you think happens? Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness and the enemy tempted him. You're going to have opposition. I mean, if it happened to Jesus, I think you and I might expect it. Don't you? Come on, man. Um, the devil is going to push back, but I don't care who he is. I don't care what he does. I don't care what the demons do. I don't care what the spirit of darkness does. I know who my God is. And my God is bigger, stronger, more powerful, and he's actually in charge, no matter what people might think, right? So whatever's coming my way, I know that God is allowing it. He's not causing it. He's allowing it. And God has confidence in my faith in him to go through it. So if you're going through a hard time, don't complain about it. Trust him. Because he has confidence in you having faith in him to carry you through it. The problem is usually when we face some things, we stop looking at him and we start looking at other things. And then we get all jacked up. So let's see what happens here in the book of Acts. I mean, all we got... Guys, uh, people of God, please hear me. God's word has our answer. God's word has our answer. Why do you think you have so much opposition to spending time in the Word of God. Hey, the enemy doesn't want you there because when you stay in the Word of God, the Spirit of God can ignite you to the Word of God and you will be changed. All right? So let's continue on with what we were looking at there in that moment where we see this incredible move of God taking place in Acts, the history of our church. The church of Jesus Christ, by the way. I didn't mean like CFF literally or anything like that. I mean the church. Listen now. But as the believers rapidly multiplied. I'm not reading the rest of that verse. Don't go there yet. As the believers rapidly multiplied. You see the move of God happening, right? God is moving. Thousands of people are coming to Christ. They're being saved. I mean, people can't wait to talk about Jesus, to get together. God's moving. It's exciting when God's moving. All right, it is. But listen to this. It says, but at the beginning of that sentence. <laughs> but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontentment. Discontent. They're like, all of a sudden, in the midst of the move of God, people start to complain. Just stop right there, because I think the Holy Spirit's bringing a little bit of conviction down, and I want to give them a little bit of time here. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we separate ourselves? All of a sudden, it's us and them. We're one in Christ. 
right? But, you know, all the enemy wants to do is to get us to see that we're different than someone else. And he wants to create a barrier between me and you because I'm not like you. Is that happening in our culture right now, folks? Come on, man. Is it happening in the church right now? Yeah. We look around and it's like, well, you don't accept me. I'm not like you. You're not like me. We're going to draw some lines here. <sighs> so this is what's going on. They were like um, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. I don't mean this disrespectful, but I'm going to say this like kind of, they're neglecting the old ladies of the church. You're neglecting my old lady. You're neglecting their old lady. You know what I mean? That's what was happening for real. God gives very specific orders about how to take care of widows. So I want to give us all something that they knew. God said, if she's young enough, tell her to get married again and let her husband take care of her. That's what God said. God said that. Okay? Second thing he said, if she's, I mean, I don't know what, he didn't put a number on this, but if she's too old to get married again, <laughs> her family should take care of her. God's saying this, right? The last thing he said is, if there's no family and she's too old to be taken care of and she's serving in the church, the church should take care of her. Right? Look, guys, I want you to know that's God's word and these people that are doing this knew this. But look, they're complaining about it. They already had the answer. They knew the, the whole program was established by God in the first place. But they began to complain because why? They didn't think everything that was happening there was fair. I mean, really, in our own opinion, is anything fair unless I'm winning? <laughs> If it's going my way, then I think it's perfect. But if it's not going my way, I think something's out of whack and it's not fair. So right in the midst of a move of God, believers are the ones that are starting to complain. Who would cause that? Who would get us to change from seeing what God is doing to seeing what people are not doing? <laughs> I mean, it's right there. It's like right in our face. And the, you know how often this is repeated in the church of Jesus Christ? The exact same scenario I'm saying where we start looking around and complaining about them. We can cloak it and say that it's a, um, you know, well, I'm not complaining about me. I want to make sure that they're taken care of. Why aren't you doing it then? It's easy to see what's wrong. Are you the solution? Maybe God's allowing you to see it so that you can be the solution instead of just talking about the problem. I'm just going to pause there and let the Holy Spirit let that one sink in so we get it. You know, it's like, okay. I just want everybody to know that complaining is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, <laughs> it seems to be prevalent. It does. It seems to be one of the more, you know, by the way, I just want you to know I didn't have a whole bunch of complaints this week until this morning. <laughs> but God knew, you know, it's funny how he does that. Listen to, the, this is what Galatians 5.22 tells us. 
the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Um, so as I listen to that list, I'm like, you know, really complaining doesn't even go along with that. Any of that. And yet we see the believers right in the formation of the move of God church. That starts to boil up inside. You know, I want you to know this is true in our own marriage relationships, our family life, as a nation, as a whole. Jesus said, you know, a house divided can't stand. Jesus is the one that said that. A nation divided can't stand. A church divided won't stand. A heart divided won't stand. There has to be this unity that only the Holy Spirit can produce in us or it won't exist. It can't function. It can't work. So most of you, I know, have heard the, the story of the children of Israel and the history of the Bible and that nation of Israel when God brought them out of Egypt. He actually birthed them out of Egypt through ten plagues. You've probably seen the movie. You know, it's not exactly like the movie, so read your Bible. I'm just saying so that we don't get lost, but hear it, man. These ten miraculous plagues against the Egyptians and their gods, as God told Moses, the whole world's going to know I am God alone. And so God declared war on the gods of Egypt. They were the world power known everywhere. And therefore, God wanted everyone in the world to know he alone is God. And so he began to attack their gods and show that he was God alone. That's what the plagues were, church, in case you didn't know that. He was trying to not only show his people he was God, but he was showing the Egyptians he was God, and the things they were worshiping were not God. Now listen as we go along on this. So these people were part of a miraculous birth into a new life. God said, you're it, this is the generation, I'm going to do this, let's go. And you know the story, they begin that journey, they get to the Red Sea, they're trapped, the Pharaoh and the army comes, God miraculously opens the Red Sea, they walk on dry land, swap, swallows up and kills the entire army of Egypt and Pharaoh himself. God is good. He is good. Okay? So now as they travel through that wilderness experience, I'm not talking about the 40 years, I'm talking about the first journey as they're traveling towards where God said, I'm going to give you this, because God had told Abraham way back in Genesis, when you read your Bible, look around you, I'm giving all this land to your descendants. Well, now it's happening, and God's leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. He's actually physically there in the sky in front of them as that symbol, leading them towards this fulfillment of what he said he'd do. They're following this. On their journey, if you read that account in Exodus and Numbers, as you read those two books and then a recap in Deuteronomy, reading that journey, as they're going, they're complaining on a consistent level. And with each of their complaints, God already has an answer for them and is going to provide. And what he's doing is he's trying to teach his people to trust him. Them trust him. He says that. So as we look at this then, so we know, because we look back in history and read our Bible, that God miraculously provided food for them. They didn't go to the grocery store. They didn't have to go anywhere. God, they'd wake up in the morning and food was at their doorstep. God provided. It was everywhere they looked. 
They could do a whole lot of different stuff with it. It was manna, which means what is it? God provided food. When they complained about the food, they said, I can't eat this anymore. I'm sick of this. I'm one of those guys. I don't like eating the same thing all the time. It's like, there it is. They're like, what? I can't take this. This is miserable. And God's like, okay, you know what? Blows the wind in and there's quail all over the camp. They got quail to eat. So now they got this meat to go along. So they're not just eating manna and God provided it. They get to a place where there's no water. God brings water out of a rock. I mean, church, you do know these stories of the Bible, right? These aren't just stories. This is history of the nation of Israel that exists in our world today. This is their history. Like when we look at American history, this happened. God did it. So now, I want to travel with them right to that border. Here's the border to the promised land. They're right here. Moses and Joshua, they send in 12 spies. Moses is ending his journey. New leader Joshua is taking over it. 12 spies go in, they come back because they've been promised what this place would look like, what it would be. They go in there and guess what they do? They come back and say, hey everybody, it is what we were told it would be. Did you hear that? It is what we were told it would be. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. The abundance is incredible. The provisions are there. Everything is like what we were told. And 10 of them say, but, (laughs) right? But there are giants there that we can't handle. Just, oh, Lord. Oh, God, awaken and stir our hearts right here. So what happens, church? What happens? You know this history, but think about it. Just think about this. It is what we were told it is. Who said what it would be? God said what it would be. God had proven himself in their lives of being the provider, of meeting every need they had as they made this. They were standing on the precipice of fulfilling the very promise to their forefathers, the very thing they'd been praying for and asking God for in the captivity. They're standing there on the verge of it. And what did they hear? They heard the but, not the promise. They didn't look back at all God had already done to prove himself. They looked ahead at saying, we can't do it. It's crazy how we do that. It's, it's insane how we do that. Nobody wants to like talk amongst themselves and remind each other what God's already done. There were only two of those guys that did that. Two out of the 12 stood up and said, wait, we can do this. God said so. And they're like, yeah, but. And the 10 buts which is what they were, <laughs> spread their fear, their discouragement, their words of impossible, and the people believed it. They listened to people's complaining rather than the promises of God. Listen to Numbers 14.1. Listen to this, church. This is like some of the most crazy Stuff right here. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. That's nice. Except it says this. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. 
Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Now we can look at them and say how stupid they are, and they were. But how many, how many times have we faced a crisis, a difficulty, a challenge, an opposition, knowing the promises of God for us as believers? And taking the very same stance and reaction? Yeah, I know what he says, but. I know what the promise is, but. We do it all the time. Church, we do it all the time. And we're complaining because we want God to do it our way. God, remove the giants. I don't want to face them. Don't you think God knew there were giants in the land? Don't you think he already had a plan? He did. He proved it 40 years later when they actually did it. Okay, so here they are. I'd rather complain and go backwards to where we were because that at least is familiar. I know what sucks back there, so I'd rather live in the known suckiness (laughs) than to experience something possibly new. What? So we can get comfortable in living in the suck rather than living in the new because we don't want to change. We don't want to follow. We want to know everything. And if I don't know everything ahead of time, I'd rather go back to what I did know. Help us, Jesus. It's right there in the Word of God. And we look at this and we're all, I don't want to say all, oh, wait, too many believers are stuck in the butt. Oh, man. You know what we read right there? They even acknowledged that God was leading them. Did you hear that? Okay, I mean, I'm going to read it to you again. Like, when they're looking at this, they're like, um, why is the Lord taking us to this? They knew who was leading them. They knew it was God. They acknowledge it by confessing it. And at the same time, they're acknowledging that he's leading They're saying it's not good enough. We're going to take charge here. We know you're leading, but God, it's not where we want to go because we don't feel safe where you're leading us. We're going to go back and live as slaves. (laughs) Okay. Is God leading you? I'm asking you, church, is God leading you? If the Holy Spirit is leading you and God is wanting to make us new, which he is, and we already know because we read the Bible that what he is doing in us to make us new is he's making us more Christ-like, right? We do know that, that we're supposed to become more like Christ all the time as we mature in our faith. So if God's wanting to make us new, that requires me changing, I want you to know you have to change. If you want to go back and stay comfortable, that doesn't work. God wants to move you forward, and you and I have to change. (laughs) 
So if God's wanting us to change and he's wanting to do something in us, um, and he wants to make us different than what we've been, and even what we've been doing, then we're going to have to face some unknown. We're going to be uncomfortable. We're going to face some giants. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So the word of God declares to you and I that we're not that old life anymore. Everything's new. Therefore, stop trying to go back and live the old life. Live in the new. To live in the new requires faith and not knowing everything about what is going on, but accepting it as from God and following into it, even if you're walking in the midst of a foreseeable, unbeatable giant. Because if God is leading you, he will bring that giant down. That's why we have to know the Holy Spirit's prompting. So being made new requires change, doesn't it? Man, we love that word. <laughs> See, it's amazing. Everybody wants change. Everybody does. I mean, I mean you got to hear me right. I mean, like, like sometimes we cringe, but I'm saying it's like, this could be better. We want it to be better. We want everything to be better. But what we want is we want the results of the better when it doesn't change what I have to be or do. <laughs> just want it better. That's all. <laughs> I just want it better. But if it was better now, then why would you want it to change? But we want things better. That's a good thing, by the way. We want things to be better, and it should be. It's not a problem with that, especially in our walk with God. It should get better. You should be more like Christ this week than you were last Sunday, I hope. We want the results, but we want it to happen in our comfort zone. <laughs> It's like, God, why won't you just transport me from Egypt to the promised land? Can you just like plant me in that house on the hill that I love the view of and it has everything done for me and I don't have to do a thing? That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we have that fantasy. That's never going to happen. The only time that's going to happen is when you check out of here. So stop complaining and being worried about dying because maybe he's going to answer your prayer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if things haven't like changed where we are or where we've been, why would we think it's going to happen now? All right, you know what I'm saying? I hope you, yeah, let's, I don't want to complicate that. That's plain and simple. You get it. Um, so we can't do always the same thing and expect to get like that new result of God in our life. Now, I'm not talking about daily disciplines. You do need to do them every day. Absolutely, that's part of your walk with God. But in the midst of all that, I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you to do something different than you normally do. Or He's going to prompt you about something you need to surrender to Him. Give up or start doing, right? I mean, that's what He does. That's called change, and that's the stuff we're uncomfortable with. Man, we love our routines. We do. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I know where you sit. I, I just have to glance around, and I know who's at church and who's not. I don't even have the lights up. Like, oh, that seat's empty. I know who that is. <laughs> okay. Okay, church, God is the same God, but he simply doesn't do the same thing all the time. Listen to what the prophet Elijah was saying 
as a message from the Lord as God was speaking to his people. I love this. This is, by the way, it's Isaiah 43, 15 through 19. You should mark this section. This is such a beautiful passage. This is God talking. And now we're going to fast forward from the people that took and the promises of God lived in the promised land. They've become a nation, a world power. They've already fallen, kind of like what we're doing as America, you know, on the backside of things. Yeah, whatever, God, you know, whoever. Doesn't matter what he's done in the past. We don't need him. That kind of stuff. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 43. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. <laughs> I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Church, when we look at what God says, he's like, look, you haven't seen nothing yet. Look at all that's happened back there. Look who I am. But he's like, I can do something you've never imagined before. We write God off thinking it's too late for everything. It's too late for the people we love. It's too late for this. It's too late for that. And it's like, forget it. It's never going to happen. God says, wait a minute. I'm a God of doing new things, things you've never seen or experienced. See, we want to stay in the familiar. We even want God to move in the familiar. I've been in the church a while now. I was grown up in it, and I've watched it. And I've been amazed as I've matured in my walk and gotten more history behind me. As I watch the church, I see us trying to replicate what's happened in the past. You know that new movie that's out, The Jesus Revolution, you know? So like, as we, I I already know what's going to happen. People are going to watch that movie and they're going to try and do the same thing. That's what happens. There was, in the 70s, just so you all know, there was a bus ministry. It was, you know, there was a big thing. You go with your bus and pick everybody up and bring them to church, right? That happened. There's been things that have happened in the history, like the tent revivals, all those kinds of things. And what happens is the church either doesn't want to let go of that stuff, and then they die with it because it was a move of God in the moment, but he didn't say live here. (laughs) Right? No, I'm serious. I mean... I grew up in one of those churches that didn't want to let go of what God had done. And they weren't experiencing what God wanted to do. Because they were living in their own self. In a prison of religious activity without the Holy Spirit present, moving, and stirring in their own life. And they were functioning in this religious environment. And it was like, man, God's like trying to breathe and say, hey, over here. I'm over here. And the church is like... We will not be moved. That's an old hymn, in case you don't know that. (laughs) God, come and visit us here and now, and then if you're ready, this whole place sucks now. Take us out in the rapture. That's not a rapture conversation. That's not what I meant. I'm saying, like, we just think it's so bad. It's time to leave. Get us out of here. God's like, I'm trying to do something new. Would you let me? Would you come with me? Would you obey me? Will you follow my lead? It, 
A lot of people have written off this younger generation. I mean, I'm going to speak very openly and clearly, and I want you to hear me that I'm saying this in love, because the older people look at the younger people. you got to hear this all the way through now. Don't get caught up and freak out on me. They can't even determine if they're a boy or a girl or not. You talk about jacked up, there's no hope. That's what's happening, right? And we see someone that is in that world, we're like avoiding them. I'm talking about the church of Christ now. And so we do that and say, there's no hope. Therefore, it's all over. This is a sign of the end. We're going to be out of here soon. God help us. There is absolutely hope beyond belief. So what God is saying to us, he's like, you know, I died for them. I love them. You need to love them, not love what they're doing or they're confused in. Love them. Show them who I am. Their hope is Jesus. Do we know that, church? Their hope, our hope is Jesus. If they don't know that, what hope do they have? I mean, they're hurting. They're broken. God says, I will make a pathway through that wilderness. I will. I'll create rivers. <laughs> so church, here's the thing right now today. I mean, this is what God is saying to all of us. Those of you online and those of you here in this house, everybody listening to these words. God wants us to celebrate the God things that have happened. I don't, I'm not disrespecting that. I think you should watch that movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard good things about it. I think you should watch it. That's great. I'm not against any of that. I think we should celebrate what God has done. Absolutely. Things that you can see in the obvious hands that he has. You know why he does that stuff is so that we will trust him in the present. <laughs> but he doesn't want us to live over there. And he doesn't want us to get stuck over there. And he doesn't even want us to go back and try and recreate this. I mean, oh my goodness. Why would we think we can recreate a God thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, we are so arrogant sometimes. It's like, hey, God, I know we, we've got the formula to make you move. Right? I mean, that's really what we're saying. So we're going to do this. And so obviously it's going to be like, uh, move. I did my part. Let's go. I mean, that's really what we're doing. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so we'll leave that alone. <clears throat> so how about if this? Are, are we going to look at the new thing he desires to do in our lives? The new thing he desires to do in our lives. Not just doing a new thing for a new thing. The new thing he desires. So that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. None of us have arrived. I mean, I'm looking around, and I don't see Jesus in the room physically. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I see him moving in your lives, but I don't see him completely 100% reflecting out of you yet. And if I do, I know you're out today. I mean, he's taking you home. That's what I mean. You know what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> okay. So there's something more God wants to change in us, right? Can we acknowledge that? I need more yeses than that. I mean, because <laughs> there's something more God wants to change in us. 
in order for us to be Christ-like. So, if you're not more Christ-like, then there's more of you, and you are the problem. (laughs) So to know what he is saying, to know what the Holy Spirit is prompting, to know what he's desiring, to know what he's stirring us with, we have to learn to listen and hear what he's saying to us, right? So I talked about that at the very beginning. We've got to be able to hear and then act on what he's doing and saying. So stop complaining about your uncomfortableness with your current situation. Instead, begin to ask God what he is doing in you and what he wants to do through you in that place. Because if you're uncomfortable and you're spirit-led, then God is causing the uncomfortable or he's allowing it, right? He's allowing it or causing it, whatever, it's still God. And he's doing this so that we will look to him and not do it ourselves. And if you're trying to fix everything on your own, I just want you to know you're going to end up in Egypt again. You can't do it. So we're going to begin to ask God uh, what he is doing in me and or what he wants to do in me. And that's how we become more Christ-like. It's being real with ourselves, with him. So I've, I've caught myself, and my wife has caught me lately, uh, doing this in my surgery recovery. I've been getting boundaries to live in. Man, I don't like those things. <laughs> They're so restricting. And it's like, no, I... I'm being transparent with you, and I'm saying, like, I have things to do. And the things I need to do don't fit in those boundaries. Somebody needs to change my boundaries really fast. And then if I want to go outside of those, which I've been good, just so you all know, I, 99.9% of the time I've been in those boundaries, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying I haven't done some dumb things. Okay, but... <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I have gotten myself frustrated and aggravated because I watch my wife doing my work. And everything inside of me is like, that should not be happening. That needs to change. And like, I have apologized to her a hundred times and she's like, will you stop apologizing? (laughs) It's the way it has to be. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be. It just has to be. You know, I'm like making excuses and I'm like, it shouldn't be. And then I'm like, you know, I'm talking to God. I'm not complaining. (laughs) You could have fixed this. I asked you. (laughs) You could have just healed me. Went to the doctor. Like, you're all good. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I am. And I would have testified and given God all the glory and I could have just kept doing my thing. And that should have happened in my own little world. And I think it should be different than it is. But then when we step back and we get reminded, and my wife's like, you know, you do have guidelines you got to live in. And I'm like, I do. And you know how many times I've read those? Literally, I'm not joking. I've read over that paper, over that paper. I'm looking for loopholes. (laughs) It doesn't say this. It doesn't say this. You know how we do that with the Bible? Well, it doesn't really address this. It doesn't talk about that specifically. And the whole while in our heart, we already know we shouldn't be doing it. But because the Bible doesn't spell it out in our terminology, we make excuses for it and say, well, see, 
It's okay. Oh, wow, the Holy Spirit's like, it's not okay, it's not okay, it's not okay. And we're like, but it doesn't say that. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> so when, I'm, <laughs> when Kim's not there to tell me, I'm making a joke about this. I mean, seriously, I know what a, I never was raised in a Catholic school, but I have that vision of the nun with the ruler. And that's my wife. I see her face in that, you know. <laughs> but when she's not around, and she's not everywhere, I mean, she's in the cafe right now, right? And I'm not wearing my strap I'm supposed to be wearing, you know, like, anyway. Um, no, I, it's okay for me not to wear it. It is. Uh, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> No one's around me, so I'm safe. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I said 99.9%, .9%, didn't I? All right, anyway, let's stay where we're supposed to be. You guys knock it off. All right, so <laughs> when Kim's not around and I see something and I'm tempted to do it, there's this voice in me. Man, is that annoying. Don't do that. Right? You, you know that voice? You know that? Like when it's, you have this other voice in you that says no one's around. And you look and you're like, I can do that. But there's that voice and that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Please hear it. That's him. And he's saying don't. Because someone way more important is watching you. And he knows everything. So I confess to you that there have been days that I complained and I was aggravated and frustrated and my wife said those very words to me. So what is God teaching you? And he's like, teaching me that I'm not in control, but <laughs> could have done it another way. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <clears throat> and here's the other problem is uh, that what happens to us as we complain and stuff is we don't see others doing what they should be doing. So when people aren't doing what they should be doing, I can complain about that just as well. I mean, it's easy for me because it's like, it's so obvious they should be doing that. Isn't it? I mean, you all can confess that, right? Isn't it obvious to see what everybody else should be doing? <laughs> I just want all of us to know God doesn't need us to be his eyes and his ears and his voice. The only time we are that is when the Spirit of God prompts us. And Jesus is pretty clear about that. He's like, get the beam out of your eye before you take the speck out of their eye, right? So it's like, I just want you to know it's probably not the Holy Spirit prompting you. 99.9% .9 of the time, it's you. And it's the enemy. And he wants you to complain because you see the problem, and they're the solution, not you. <laughs> okay? I just want you to know that you even revealing this truth to them probably won't motivate them to do it. <laughs> Did you hear that? You revealing this truth to them probably won't motivate them to do it, but when the Holy Spirit does it, He does it right. And he will prompt them and make them miserable in the wrong until they do it right. 
He doesn't need our help in making them miserable. Let him do it. <laughs> okay, Philippians 4.8. Listen, church. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Who are we talking to? Brothers and sisters of the body of Christ. Believers, right? Listen to this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, don't just pick one thing out of that because I've had a conversation with someone that said, well, what I'm doing is truth. Okay, hold, just slow down because this is all one statement. True and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Church, this is where our brain should be living and if we would fix our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus and be obedient to the Holy Spirit, the transformation that will happen in us will be amazing. He's telling us to get our heads wrapped around who he is and not allow the enemy to distract us about what they aren't or what should be in our own mind. So let's look at what God is doing. Here's my action steps for us. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to confess your sins, repent, and receive Him as your Savior today. The altar is always open. There are people there in the village of Oak Creek, Gospel Rescue Mission, to pray with you if you need help. Please move forward to the altar and do that. Do it right here in this house. Here's step number two. I got four of these, so don't get like packed up and ready for lunch. <laughs> what is the Holy Spirit prompting you to change in your life? Don't tell me nothing. What is he prompting you about? What or who have you been complaining about? Is God leading? Why are you complaining? After this service, church, after this service, everyone hearing my voice needs to tell at least one person, one thing, good thing that God did during this service. You have all kinds of things that you see wrong with this service. Knock it off. What good thing did God do today? Amen. If you can't see one good thing, then find another church. I mean, there's a problem with us or you. All right, I'm just saying, seriously, if you can't see one good thing God's done and talk about it, something is desperately wrong. God is God and He is moving. And he already promised that where two or three are gathered in his name, he'd be there. So God's here. Are you aware of his presence? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Father, we love you. Oh, God, I thank you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your prompting. <laughs> Forgive me for my complaining about things, Lord. <laughs> oh God, lead us. Lead us, oh Lord. Lead me. Do your work in us right now, Lord, I pray. Lord, we're just waiting before you right here.